Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm your host, Demi, and can you believe we made it to episode 39? This is honestly insane to me. If you're new here, welcome to the Millennial Fam. If you're returning, I appreciate your ear yet again. I'm so excited to bring you today's chat. This one is especially for those who are curious about going solo or considering starting their own business. We talk about what it's like to work for yourself, things to consider when you want to build your own business, and most importantly, the hurdles you're going to face and if the glory is really worth the struggle. Working for yourself isn't for everyone, and that's totally fine. We don't glorify working for yourself here. We give you the real reality of what it's going to be like for you. Today's guest is Reagan, who is also known as Frank. He is the founder of G'day Design Life and G'day Frank, and is a designer, business owner, creative, and mentor. He has cultivated an engaged community of designers on social media, sharing his wisdom on design, business, and just life in general. And he does it in the most entertaining way. You have to check out his Instagram. It's honestly top-notch quality content. Frank hit six figures in his first year solo and talks us through the reality of what he did to achieve that and how being a husband and a father have added extra layers of stress into the mix. Let's jump straight into episode 39 of the podcast, The Reality of Working for Yourself. Thank you so much, Frank, for coming on the Millennial Crisis podcast. I'm honestly so excited to have you on. You're going to be a wealth of knowledge to the audience. going to learn a lot here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm equally excited because I love podcasts. I do my own and to be on someone else's, I always find much more interesting than having to lead the conversation. So um, I'm going to leave that to you today. It's fun, isn't it? You get to relax, sit back and, and talk yeah. about what, what you've kind of done over your life, yeah. which is awesome. Now, I'm, exactly. I'm pretty basic and boring in the fact that I start every podcast with a bit of an AA style question, which is what is your name, <laughs> age and what you do for work? Hi, I'm Frank. I'm, my actual name is Reagan though. I'll give you that bit of context. I use Frank. It's my middle name. It's much easier for those I connect with to remember, spell, pronounce, all the rest of it. 32. I'm from Sydney, Australia in the Blue Mountains, west of Sydney. I have a a three-year-old boy. I'm about to be a father again to a daughter. Wish me luck. And I am a husband of four years. So um, I run my own business as a brand identity designer. Uh, It's called G'day Frank. That's been going now for two years. And before that, I was an in-house designer for a big TV production company. But here I am doing my own thing, going well so far. And um, recently started an initiative to kind of give back to designers called G'day Design Life to help them realize their dream of starting their own business just the same as I did. Um, So that in a quick, quick nutshell is me. Amazing. I love it. And, and your content is, is awesome. And, and all of the stuff you do for your community and for other designers is, is amazing. And it's the reason that I wanted you on. Before you started working in TV production, had you ever done anything freelance or on your own before then? 
just with some family and friends kind of thing that had asked me, oh, can you make me, I think there was like an album cover for someone that wanted to aspire to be an, a singer. That didn't happen for them. <laughs> but I look back at that stuff that I was doing then, it was totally average. And it's probably because I didn't really know wholeheartedly what I was doing until I probably did get that university education of understanding a bit more about the fundamentals of design. But freelance wise, yeah, it was only ever friends and family. It wasn't until I started to gain, gain some more connections maybe uh, with people that I knew that had asked on the side, can you moonlight to help me you know, create this if you have the time? And I was like, yeah, sure thing. No worries. I can do that. Um, but yeah, in terms of a paid client that I'd not known before it, it that didn't happen until i started this business and what was the process for you to start the business was that a big step for you or did that spark kind of excitement in you yeah. considering this was something you would you would wanted to do eventually right yeah yeah it, it was it was thoroughly exciting I, I was getting all caught up in everything but design to start this business because it doesn't require any design knowledge to start a business it helps because it can make your business stand out a bit more but there's no prerequisite for it the prerequisite though is some business acumen which i had zero of i am terrible with money but in the space of six months and this is going back to probably december 2017 I decided I want to do this. We'd had, I'd got married. I'd had a kid. My son was at the time probably only four months old. I was like, okay, I think this is the time now. This company doesn't look like it's going too much further. My progression in this company isn't going anywhere because I'm the only designer here. Um, and I don't particularly want to work in an ad agency because I understand what that life is. Uh, I'd seen my sister go through it. She She's a creative in an ad agency. Um, and this was a time I think I thought at the time to make this business and I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that? What do I need to do to tick some boxes here to make sure I don't F this up because I have a, a family to provide. It's not just me and I can just go stay at my mum's house. If this totally balls up, there was some, there was some weight on the shoulder there and it, there was a few things. There was taking advantage of the connections that I had in, of people that either were in business, finance, or legal, um, or like lawyers kind of thing, to help me craft contracts, to set up my accounting, and to get the business set up correctly, to know what kind of structure I needed, what my options were, because I could have just done a sole trader, but we ended up going through a partnership to start with because we brought my wife on as a partner. So that way we could have equal share of, for tax reasons, it kind of worked out a little bit better. But then also the opportunity there to understand, okay, what would be the threshold to then change to a company in the future, which we have done since. And what that would mean. And to try and understand all of that was an absolute minefield of stress, but also interest at the same time. Because I had the backbone of the, the job I had, but then doing this kind of on the side and picking up as much as I could along the way to to get at least enough to start and get a client and charge and all the rest of it. The other element to it, though, was also educator, I guess you'd call him. Uh, his name's Chris Doe, and he, he runs a platform called The Future, and he's a design branding kind of designer by trade he had a studio and then pivoted that studio since to help creatives start their own business he's based in america 
put out a lot of YouTube content. I got on that bandwagon from 2017 and watched six months worth of content to understand what it is I needed to do in the business of design, not just business in general, but something that's contextual to business um, for designers to start and, and make sure that we're profitable and charging what we should be charging without, you know, being a designer on Fiverr that charges five to a hundred dollars for a logo that isn't going to get my isn't going to put food on the table for my family, quite frankly, um, and how to actually make this a calculated decision um, so that if I quit my job in six months from now, which was July 1st, 2018, that we are going to have food on the table consistently, have work coming in consistently. I'm going to be happy doing what I'm doing and everything is going to work out, which it did. The biggest thing, though, that made it work was to negotiate with my previous employer to keep them on as a client. That's something that I don't think a lot of designers are going to have the opportunity to do. The other respect of if doing it without that net, that safety net, I guess, would be to have things like runway, which is, you know, three to six months worth of savings to cover you when you, you know, if work doesn't come in. Something I didn't have, but it's something I now profess to other designers to encourage them to do this. And this would be the same for any kind of business owner, not just as a designer. And so that six months was intense. And even the six months after it was intense, because it was learning bookkeeping and all the boring stuff and making proposals and invoicing and contracts and all that kind of stuff. It felt like just admin rather than actually doing any design work. So it was a 50-50 split, if not if not 30-70, so 30% design and 70% admin kind of business-related stuff. And you've got to kind of love that part as well i think if, if it really bores you and it 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 it's always feels like something over your shoulder then business probably isn't for you but that's okay it's not for everybody as well. as well yeah i think one of the biggest misconceptions about going out on your own and starting on your own is we talk about like the hustle and and working so much and people assume that that's working late nights on client calls you know designing in your instance or doing all of these other things to get your to promote your work and all of that stuff web design yeah. but a lot of it is just learning about what the fuck you need to do right like what do yeah. I need to do? What am I covered for? How do I price properly? And, and the thought that it takes, it's, it's, and it's also, I guess, one of the reasons why at some point giving it a try is so important as well. Cause it not only adds perspective to when you do work for someone else, kind of having that respect in some way for your boss and not thinking like, Oh, well, they don't actually do anything all day. At least for me, I know that's how it kind of spun things yeah. for me, but also you get to learn about different things all the time. Whereas sometimes when we're at that nine to five, we become quite stagnant in our skills. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I, I got to say in the seven years that I worked in this TV production company after finishing uni, I've removed myself completely from any design community space. Like didn't connect with any designers, just was in TV, TV la la land basically. So I completely felt void of anything. So once I came back to it, it was just like, whoa, this has changed significantly. There's still the same kind of dudes here and there and guys and girls in, in, in Australia doing this kind of stuff. And that hadn't really changed, but I think the, the connectivity between 
designers globally has significantly changed because we all feel a little bit more connected that we can do you know zoom calls like this or or you know chat on instagram or on linkedin or facebook or whatever it is it's kind of like you need to be every part of your business like yes i'm a partner with my wife in this but to have other people you know going through what you're going through at the same time and knowing that it takes a bit of a weight off your shoulders to say that you're not the only one going through this it's like wake up you know settle down princess kind of thing you're okay everything will be all right and you'll you'll work it out in some way shape or form because if you if you'd like me i had this mindset of like it will always work out i don't know why i don't know if it's just me i don't know everyone goes through really bad things and not to say that i haven't either but at the end of the day it will probably work out okay and you know you're either doubting yourself or getting your knickers in a knot and going what am i going to do now so if it doesn't work out first time every time then i guess the thing is to say not be disappointed but i'm going on a real tangent here now but you know be okay with learning along the way failing along the way i've failed i've mucked up big like client jobs here and there and and had to apologize and whatever and make up for it but you know that's all part of the process i think and it's to enjoy the process not to this is my big thing that i've learned lately is you know we all have a goal this big mountain goal that we're looking at and going okay how the hell do we get there you'll get there but once you get there you'll go is that it what do I do now? And then you'll see the next mountain behind the clouds when that, you know, those clouds move away and you're like, oh my shit, how am I going to do that? But you won't feel content. So my thing is just enjoy that journey there um, and not be worried about rushing to get there. Like enjoy that process. It's a very Gary V kind of mindset as well. That's probably where I've got it from subconsciously, but it seems to be something that I don't feel like I have to rush to get to where I'm going. I know the steps I need to take, but it gives me the opportunity to just relax a bit and go be okay that it's not going to happen tomorrow or in a month's time or in a year's time. It's going to happen when it happens and be okay with that. For sure. It's so funny. Gary V makes his way into every one of my podcasts somehow. No, no, no. I I love it. I was just saying like Gary V makes it into somehow (laughs) all of my guests, like we're all, I don't know. Anyways, it's funny. I I, I totally agree. He's an influential person. I mean, that's right. He's everywhere. I have that same, that same thought that like, it will work out. And I don't know why, you know, I I sometimes think like, am I just crazy in thinking that it'll work out? But I think unless you have that thinking, you're not going to try things. If you get into that other mindset of, of worrying about what could go wrong, you won't do. And I think my biggest fear is not doing. And that's when things aren't fun. That's when you're not growing. That's when you're not learning. And you're, the process is, is such a spot on thing. And I guess I have something to ask about that because I think a lot of us, if we're not enjoying the process of what we're doing or the goal that we're working towards, let's say it's a goal of making six figures a year or, um, you know, getting that promotion and all of that stuff. And if every single thing we're doing, we're hating it to get to there, that victory, even when it is something that you do enjoy doing, the victory doesn't taste that sweet anyway. So I guess it's, it's a real question for listeners to ask themselves now is whatever you're doing right now, is there any part that you're enjoying that process? And if not, you mm. probably need to be reevaluating 
what you're doing. And it's obviously easier said than done. And I'm sure we've both experienced that to some extent where you, you know, there's a time you need to move on or there's a time you need to pivot from, from doing something because that process is miserable. Not to say that when we do stuff, we love, there's not the misery in there as well. Cause there is a lot of the time, like you said, the admin stuff and all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Is it, was there a time where you, you felt that and, and the process wasn't enjoyable and you felt as though it was time to switch? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think when I think back to that first year of business, I, I don't want to say this to toot my own horn. I got to a peak of 150K in that first year of revenue. And I was like, that was my goal. I got there. I don't feel any fucking different. Like, why did I put myself through that to get to that when I don't feel like this is an accomplishment? Yes, it is. You know, I had a nice drink that night and, you know, cheers my wife. And we're like, yeah, sweet. This is actually working. But I guess maybe it's a case of not setting yourself a goal that it's a financial goal because that becomes a result out of what you're trying to achieve. So it's just a core, like a causation of something that you are trying to do that you are trying to enjoy. So maybe it's more psychological things like uh, wanting to help somebody else change their life and their business. So for me, like with branding, it's changing someone's life potentially or changing someone's business or inadvertently one of their customers' lives because they've connected with that business when they might not have before because they weren't as attracted to that business possibly beforehand. Whatever it is, something that, that comes out of it that you're not expecting, but you can you can do something that could, re- could come as a result um, of that effort. So if it was, um, even for yourself, like if it's just exercising to to make you feel a bit more happier about yourself, um, a bit more energized and motivated from, from within. If it's um, reaching you know, out to others to connect with them, to make a point of that, to feel a bit more purposeful, to help somebody else maybe in their life, which is why I started my own community. It's like, how can I help others connect with each other and do what I enjoy doing in addition to my own business? And that's probably where I found that, okay, once I've started my business here, is this it? Do I just plug away and keep working with clients and and that be that? And it wasn't probably until like, I think Christmas in 2018 and then the summer of 2019 there um, in like January, I took a step back and was like, okay, well, how can I get my name out there a bit more? And this was kind of a bit more self-obsessed without saying, I don't, I don't think it's the right word, but for lack of a better word, self-obsessed, to put my name out there to, you know, get in the face of, you know, more clients, let's say, to market myself. How can I do that? I'm seeing some people on Instagram do it, seeing stuff on LinkedIn. Is it just making a blog? What do I do here rather than just knocking on people's doors and, you know, harassing people? And I was like, okay, let's make content. And then content became something that was just a non-negotiable for like six months. It was like every day I have to make a piece of content before I go to bed. So I do my client work during the day, nine to five, stop at five, family time, dinner, put the kid to bed, come back in this office and then punch out a bit of content. Sometimes it might've been like getting outside to take some photos during the day to then make it that night and then put it out there. And, you know, lo and behold, it attracted more designers, which wasn't my intention, but it's just the the results. 
of social media, you attract like for like. I've built this following of designers rather than clients, which was my intention, but it's always stayed to a focus on connecting with clients. And I guess through osmosis, designers like it, they learn something from it in the process, let's say, which was my goal, I guess, was to to give back at some stage and find that as a more of a fulfilling element to having a business. So if the business is something to say that I can show that I walk the walk as well as talking the talk for other designers to do what it is that I do and want to do it themselves, rather than just saying, I know all this stuff, but I don't do jack shit of this stuff kind of thing. You figure it out, but here's some golden gems that are just you know, proverbial bullshit. Let's give some actionable stuff here and find some purpose out of that. I don't expect to make money out of this. That's not the intention there. It's just to share what I know because I see, you know, countless times of, of people like me asking the same questions over and over. And I kind of figure if that person hasn't, it hasn't clicked for them from this particular person that says this stuff already, maybe it's because that they're from the UK or they're from the US. It's not contextual to them in Australia. I don't hear anyone in Australia doing this stuff. How about it? How about we just chance our arm and make something to give back and find some purpose and fulfillment out of that for my own gratification? I don't know what it is, um, but it's nice to get a message back from somebody saying, hey, I really want to thank you for putting this out. This has helped me a lot, or I'm so glad that you put this person out here because I've connected with them and created a relationship and we're working together now. Those kind of moments is what that's for. In addition to having happy clients, and happy clients isn't going to be all the time, but when it is, that's great too. So it kind of supplements each each other there. So that way I'm getting up in the morning to do something that has multiple purposes to it um, and isn't just, you know, one one thing and one thing only kind of thing. And hopefully that is the design side of things like for giving back to designers is something that's maybe admirable to a client seeing me to say that, okay, if he's teaching this stuff or, or, or sharing his knowledge, then maybe he does know what he's doing. If I can see what it is he does, like the actual, you know, the work as well as other people understanding that he knows what he's doing giving back in that respect or finding something that can supplement what it is you maybe find a bit mundane or don't like, or, you know, if you're in an office job, having like a side hustle or um, a hobby or something like that, that can give you some joy or some fulfillment or some extra purpose that is totally supplementary to making money because it's not the be all and end all. It's not going to make you happy. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because what you're saying, like what I've gotten out of that is that passion and purpose are two completely different things, right? In, in the way that like after you've said that, it made me think about it differently because it's like, yeah, passion can get you so far. It can get you to do things that can be fun and exciting and stuff like that. But purpose doesn't have to come from passion, right? The purpose, I think, for the majority of us ends up coming from helping people. And if you can do yeah. that through the passion, like I think passions sometimes are selfish, you know, if, we, if we're going to use that word, you know, passions are something yeah. for us that we enjoy that, you know, light us up and um, all of those things. However, purpose usually comes from helping someone else, you know, in whatever shape or form it is. So I think, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, unless you're totally yeah. up your own ass kind of thing. 
than than you i mean even like you could you could say that making a certain amount of money is a purpose because you have a family to, to sustain and, and keep happy and healthy like that is a purpose for me is that i i know i need to make x amount of dollars in a year as a result of what it is i am doing for a living because it's going to purposefully make my family you know happy and healthy in a way that's not it doesn't need millions of dollars to be happy it just needs what we need and that's that's a you know an everyday purpose i mean it's the same as going to buy groceries from the shop that's a purpose you need to eat to find something that's existential that can help others rather than just yourself i think yeah that's what you're getting at and i guess that you're right there there are different purposes and it's something that i talk about which is like you're working why right and it's like sometimes a job is purely just to make money and that's totally fucking fine that is that purpose in itself right and i think sometimes we create this idea or this narrative for ourselves that all of the money we earn has to come from that one job or has to come from this or has to have the purpose the all of the things in one in in one and and what i've realized was it, do, it, it doesn't each area of work or your career or your life can serve its own purpose. And the idea is that they all marry into making you not miserable <laughs> in, in yeah. your day to day and make you want to wake up. And so for you, it seems as though the client work allows you to fill the creativity and also the purpose in, in seeing, you know, your branding come to life but then the other stuff allows the community the constant education i guess pushing yourself and giving back in that fulfillment sense and if it makes money great if it doesn't it fulfills another need of yours which is which is awesome correct yeah i mean i i don't think i would come back into this room every night and create this kind of content and make a podcast and create a website and slug it out and make a 60 to 70 hour work week you know an absolute slog if it wasn't fun like here it's ridiculously fun some days it's just a bit of a chore but not every day you're going to have that inspiration to really go okay i'm loving this like that's a bit that's a bit of a false expectation of yourself to love it every day if you do amazing you found exactly what you should be doing but there's going to be days where you're just like oh fuck this shit um i'm a bit over it right now and that's okay like you can come back to it and that's for me i've found that i I do these sort of sprints of content for maybe i don't know 10 weeks and then just pause and then just go away like an absolute ghost and then come back again re-energized with some new ideas because i was getting a bit stale and so there's a bit of self-awareness to realize what you need to be doing to make you happy and when there's a time to stop if it becomes a bit and that might be your you know your employee employment situation if you have the ability to change jobs and roles and you are young you have the ability to do that hopefully at the moment it's a bit challenging but um you know into the future you don't feel like you need to be bull and chained to this desk for 40 years like you know generations have gone before us have done Uh, my father-in-law has been in the same job for 40 years and it's not that he say he's not happy, but he has found other passions outside of what it is he does um, to entertain himself and find fulfillment in his life. So it's not to say you just, you're tied into that and 
you can't escape and you're just going to have that same mundane Monday to Friday, the weekend's there as your saviour and it's just rinse and repeat. It, life isn't that. I have a question and I say the same thing for myself as well. When I'm creating content, I call it work, right? I call it like yeah. as, as part of my work, it, it's all intertwined in it. It's sometimes because I find joy and I enjoy doing it. It's something that not, the, not comes easy to me, but it's easy to do because I love to do it, right? Yep. It's, it's hard, but um, it's, it's the thing that I can get myself to do. In saying that, I guess it's work, but it also kind of has combined as a hobby. Like I find it hard to, to figure out the line between it that is content creation work. If you're in a space where you, you don't like the work you do, it almost has that negative connotation to it. Like, oh, all they do is work. Like that doesn't really sound fun or nice, but on a Friday night for you to go and into your, you know, um, office and, and create content, there is something else there. So what are your thoughts on, on that when it comes yeah. to working in that way? Yeah, I guess they sort of say like, you know, if you do... If you do what you love, you won't work a day in your life. That kind of, if you, a lot of this comes down to your mindset, realistically, of your mindset, not what someone else says is what goes. You know, the whole stereotypical thing about, you know, if they're hustling and they're working, you know, they're an absolute workaholic, that that's demonized. And I heard, again, Gary V say this just this week or over the weekend, and it was very true. If that is what you find interesting and excites the hell out of you and really puts a fire under your ass to do something, fucking do it like there's no point beat around the bush and going and feeling bad for being so absorbed in what it is you are doing because it interests you that was all i was for like a year and a half until i kind of reined it back a bit and i was becoming very forgetful i was not really focusing on my family all that much because this whole business thing was just like a whole bright shining light i'm like what more can i do what more can i do and i was just like making so much stuff for me to to do because I found it interesting and engaging and it was for me a long play rather than a short-term gain. The short-term gain realistically is to have the enjoyment of doing something rather than just sitting on the couch and watching Netflix or playing PlayStation, which is what I would do, you know, when I'm not doing this because I'm that simple. Um, it's to, it's to create something again that can have a duality of purpose in that it, it gives me some interesting things something interesting to do with my hands and my head, even though it's between eight and midnight each night. Um, but it also can potentially either bring me in work or help me connect with someone new. So th there's a bit to it in what it is I do. For, for your everyday kind of person, though, it might not be the thing for you. I, 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 I connect with a lot of people that struggle with the idea of, of doing it. And I say, look, if you don't like doing this, there is no point doing it um, because it's not for you. It, it just doesn't it doesn't make you a, a, a worse business person or um, or designer in my context. It, it just means that that's not how you find joy out of what it is you do. Share your work, share what it is you, who you are, what it is you know, all these kind of things you can do rather than having to feel like you need to educate somebody or entertain somebody or whatever. You know, it can be some really mundane stuff. I mean, maybe not sharing your food that you're eating for dinner every night or whatever, but something that, you know, can, for, and I hate this sort of term, provide value, if that's something that's going to better your position of career or business or 
you as a personal brand, let's say, if you have aspirations to grow that? It's interesting because I speak to a lot of people as well that say, I hate creating content. I'm not a social media person. I don't want to be on there. And the first thing I say to them as well is like, you don't need to, you like, you can carve your own, like there are people out there that are exactly like you and will love the fact that you are doing things the tradition, like the old way, you know, that you're connecting with a certain amount of people or you're just going from word of mouth. It's like sticking to what is easiest for you to do when it comes to growth and all of those things. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a limit to the amount of growth. I had someone on recently and we spoke about like, um, sustainability in business and whether, growing more actually means you're adding more to your life or you're actually taking away more for your life and defining what that is for you. And I think that's so important. And sometimes we think that we want to be these huge empires when that's not actually going to make us happy. And so going, Uh, you know, doing content that you hate instead of having six good clients that you speak on the phone with, or you go and have coffees with and all of that stuff, doing it in that way is, if that's going to make your life better, then fucking do that. Piss, like the content can fuck off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I guess it comes down to the expectation of what you have on, on your life going forward. If you're listening to this and you're in your twenties, you have a shit ton of time to figure your stuff out. I'm still figuring my stuff out. You know, I have kids and I still don't feel like a father. Like it, it's, it takes time to find your groove. I feel like I'm finding my groove in my own personality to get out of my own skin and, and be a bit more outgoing because I was a very reserved young man, you know, in in my 20s and in my teens, but have found kind of my shtick to, to <laughs> come out of my shell, I don't know what it is, and communicate maybe a bit better and be confident in communicating and being confident in my own shoes. And maybe that takes to, you know, get to your 30s to have be comfortable in your own skin. I'm not sure, um, but... Y- if you're a person that doesn't want to grow to behemoth size and be a Jeff Bezos or, you know, grow some empire of a business, that's okay. I have no aspirations to do this. I would rather just be me and my wife and my kids and that the business. I have no aspirations to bring on employees, maybe a contractor here or there to help me with a client project, but there is no, no desire to have, you know, anything more than that comes down to what your expectations of, of, of what it is you want rather than what someone else is expecting of you oh if you if someone says oh you know do you want to grow your business and you know do all this and you get swept up in that you know landmine if that's not for you and you get into it and you're just absolutely stressed you're tearing your hair out you've got 10 mouths to feed of employees and you know something goes wrong and you're up the creek without a paddle <laughs> you're like what if i just stayed at where i was happy at um, and go for it. So there, there's multiple different paths in life. For sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. And it seems you can get that company feel from doing things like, like what you're doing and growing community and giving back in other ways without having exactly. like watching them grow and watching them create things versus having to be the one that gets them the work and all of those things. So there's so many ways that yeah. you can do those things that come with it. I, yeah. I was, I was taking a deep dive into your Instagram, which is something that I love to do uh, when I get podcast guests on. And I've got a video here that was just over a year ago. It was July, uh, 2019. 
and it's an awesome yeah. video. It's shot really well. And you're talking about nostalgia in branding and the oh, content yeah. is so high quality and, and it's, it's an awesome video with, if you posted it today, you wouldn't know that it was created a year ago. Like it's, it's really great, but it has 300 views. And I oh, wonder, yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah. the effort to make that video and then posting it. And I'm sure there were a lot of videos and content pieces throughout that beginning period that were getting not that many views, not that many likes, mm. not the reach mm. that after the hours and hours you would have put into creating them. What, what made you keep going and what kept you wanting to put that effort in despite that return? Cause I'm sure at the time, like that may have stung a little bit or that may have been a huge achievement at the time, 300 views, you yeah. know, it could have been that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder um, how that was for you. To, to break it down in a few different respects, the, the views is something that I, I, and the metrics is something I really now don't care for. It's not what I'm there creating content for to have a bajillion views and be the most popular person out there. That doesn't get me a client. All that means is that designers are looking at my content and liking it or not. That's my metric of what I get out of the content because I have 18,000 followers, 99% of designers. I know that. And they're not from my own country. There's a lot from India and that that's okay. That, that's all fine. That's not the yardstick for my success by any stretch of the imagination. The reason I create content is to show up and, and to be present and to show who it is I am, what it is I can do, what I know, what, you know, my personality, what, you know, I'm trying to do here and what my why is and to maybe help someone realize what it is I do that could help them. It, it's like no client could have ever seen that video. They may never see that video. It might have only been 300 designers. I'm okay with that. But if they look through and see the effort of me marketing myself as an individual, as a business, it shows some chutzpah or I don't know what the word is, but just some kind of gumption to actually get out there and do something and do something that someone else isn't doing and to stand out that way. That's the reason why I'm creating content. It's a nice causation that you have following and sound like, you know, it, it gives you a... I'm having a bit of a hard time with understanding why people perceive someone with a bigger following as being someone that knows what they're doing when they don't. It's a very fake perception, unfortunately, but that's what society has become. So, you know, for a video like that, it was because I have a, an interest in creating video. That's that's the game. There's nothing in there for me to, to expect clients from that piece of content or anything like that i watch a lot of youtubers create content for the joy of it and it wasn't for any i mean for them it's a living but for me it's not a living and so it was just to put myself in front of a camera i bought a camera i may as well use it and and talk about what it is i know and i'm interested in it at the time that may help others that video was a pain in the ass to make um and, and edit because the particular day i was sitting in the back of a ute my my brother-in-law had his ute at our house i jumped in the back of it and put my camera on a tripod and talked and i talked for like two to three hours of an afternoon while there's traffic and everything going behind me we don't live in a busy street or anything like that but there were felt like there was a hundred cars that went behind me and i made a blooper reel out of it as a supplement to that bit of content of me just getting absolute shits with it 
but I made it and I put it out there and I'm fine with that. Um, if it had 300, if it had, I mean, if it had 10,000 views, I'd be like, sweet, I've struck a chord. If it has 300 views, whatever. What I found though with IGTV on Instagram is that it gets fuck all traction. No one was there to watch video content and it's the cause of the medium. You know, if, if everyone was on YouTube and I had a following on there and they saw it, it probably would have had more views potentially if I had the same, you know, amount of subscribers, but it's not what people are there for. And it's unfortunate that, that you can create content for it, but no one comes. It, it's the same with business. If you build something, it doesn't mean people are going to come. So creating it for the intention of becoming the next whatever is not, I think the mindset to go into something like that for. For sure. And the reason I bring it up is because it, it is such a high quality video and I, and I know what that's, what that's like and the effort that those things take. And when, and if you're going in with specific expectations or if you're validating yourself because of those external or the surface level values that it can play on you, especially when you begin comparing with others in the industry, which kind of leads me on to my next question, which is how do you deal with comparison and being on social media and in, in your space? How do you yeah. deal with that? Whether it's comparing following or, or engagement or your work. Yeah, it's uh I, I personally, I got to be honest and say, I don't deal with it well, as well as I want to, let's say I might deal with it better than others possibly, but I don't deal with it well for a lot of different reasons. The first was the, the metrics of it all, seeing someone get so much engagement over total, what I think is total shit. Uh, I don't understand, you know, why a Kylie Jenner will get a hundred thousand likes on a photo where she looks like she's had a stroke. Like her face is just like this sort of like face. And I'm like, if I pulled a face like that, would I you know, get something like that? No, um, that's, that's a whole other conversation. But um, even for someone in my own niche to have a following and create content just because they could create an interesting cover image on a carousel and that draws the attention, does that mean that they are good or better than what I do? No. Um, and it's the same for anyone that if you had a smaller following, it doesn't mean that you are any less of a creative or an individual because if you know what it is you do, you are confident in what you do and that you're confident in what you provide is valuable to that person that you are creating content for. That's all that matters. Um, it really is. What's unfortunate is that the facade of what people are putting out there doesn't compare to what it is they can actually do which is why if you can, if you're a designer, if you're listening to this and you're a designer like myself is to show not only, you know, what you know and who you are, but if you can also show your process, show your work to give some tangibility to show that you can actually do what you say it is you do, what you know, because there are a lot of people in my space that can't do what they say they can or what they preach about or whatever. They just create content to have some big following and that's kind of it and clients take the bait which is what really really annoys me and that's why i compare because of that kind of instance where someone can overnight become a followed success and i'm putting quotation fingers up right now six in around success because that's perceived 
value, its perceived uh, ability in what it is they can do. And I've seen people that create all this content. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. And then they say they do all these things. They build up a big business. And it's like, well, I haven't seen one iota of what it is you do physically to say what it is you're doing. Show me. Please. Apart from making a pretty carousel, making a pretty post, please show me and show your clients because they are getting a raw end of the deal. And then they're coming to someone like me and going, I had a really bad experience with this person because I thought they were good, had this really big following, but they were actually total shit. So it makes me look bad as a creative, as a business owner, because I have to make up for that expectation that that client now has. And it's put me on a back foot right from the get go. That's what I fucking hate about this. Um, without really ranting anymore, comparison though is brutal when you have a community of others like you and it becomes a point of getting past that to be a bit more introspective and run your own race rather than you know looking left and right, having blinkers on and running your own race. And we talked about this, Demi, on a you know our own oh, sorry on um, a community chat we had with your community about a post-it note I have on my desk that says, you are your own competition. Um, or look in the mirror, you are your own competition, mate. That's exactly what it says. And um, I look at that every day, every time I get rolled up about all this stuff and be just like, buddy, just calm the hell down. You're okay, it's all good. You know, do your thing and show what it is you can do and, you know, be better in that respect. Um, and for, for others like me, I, if they follow me and go, oh man, you're so good at this stuff. It's like, you are too. Don't, don't think that I'm some God figure here because I built this or done this or can do that, whatever. I didn't do this stuff, you know, 18 months ago. You, you can do this sort of stuff. But comparing yourself to other designers that can do the same quality of work as you, not particularly in my instance. I know that I'm not the best designer and that's a self-awareness for me to say I'm not the best designer. I'd hope to be for that particular client and help solve their problem. If it does, then that's all that really matters. To see other people doing work with big other clients, that would I'm jealous, but it would be nice to work with them. But I know it's not the be all and end all as well. So it, it takes a bit of humility and to, to get past your own jealousy and, and you know, Comparison is a thief of joy is that Theodore Roosevelt quote. Um, but it, it takes a lot of uh, confidence in yourself to get past that. And it can take time, put it that way. But for me, at, at least to combat that a bit was to remove people that I followed that were giving me that anxiety. Um, so not follow them or to save face at least to mute them. So I don't see them come up in my feed. They can still interact with me and everything like that, so it doesn't look like I've unfollowed them and I'm being total dickhead or whatever. That's their that's their opinion, not mine. But um, you know, and do it that way, and that has helped quite a bit in the last few months of getting past that. So yeah, thank you for your honesty there, because I think the assumption is that a lot of people would would look at your account or jump on your account now and say, oh well, he's got a following, he's got a great engagement and all this stuff. He might not experience these things. And so it's, it's, I think it's comforting for a lot of people to, to hear that because 
it is just human nature. And I think the other thing is that we get, we almost feel guilty sometimes when we feel envious or gel or those feelings of jealousy or all of those other things, because they're bad to feel they're they're not desirable, you know, um, feelings and all of that stuff. And then we feel guilty. Like, why are we doing this? Why do we, why? And it's not to say you're not happy for people or any of those things, but it's something that, that happens and it's more and more common now because we are seeing these highlight reels. And so I think it's really important for us to all know that we all experience these things one way or another, doesn't matter what success level you have, doesn't matter all, you know, all of the things we all experience them. And it's about working through those, those feelings and figuring out, okay, well, what's making me feel this and how can I combat it so that next time that's a little bit less and that's a little bit less. I think it's, it's a really important thing to, to touch on and to know for people to know that it's, it's normal and it's okay. And you can even compare yourself to yourself realistically. Like it's a really weird, weird thing there. But if you, if you say to yourself, like, I I wish I was here, I, I wish I was doing this. Why am I not doing this? And like, I, Speaking of content, I did a bit of content about this, you know, if you're having doubts about anything in, in your life, you know, be it, should I make a piece of content or should I go out and send an email or knock on that person's door to to get generate some business here? If you've got that doubt, it's my little thing was turn it into an acronym and get rid of the U, B and T out of the word doubt, which is unnecessary bullshit thoughts. And all you're left with is do. Get out there and do it. Just do it like Nike tells you to do it. And, and that might take a bit of the, that pressure off your shoulders to feel like you, you can't do it. I had looked up to all these YouTubers and putting their face out there, taking a camera, walking around the streets of say New York city in the case of Casey Neistat, if you know who he is and, and confidently talking down the barrel of a camera. And I was like, bugger, I'm going to do this. I'm going into the city for this purpose and this purpose and this purpose. I'm going to make a day of it. I'm going to put this camera in front of my face. It's obnoxious as hell. And I walked down George Street in the middle of Sydney and do this dance. I walked from George Street all the way to the Circular Quay and the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and all the rest of it with this camera in front of my face. I'm like, I cannot look away from this camera. I need to do this. This is going to be a self-learning you know, experience for me to get beyond my own comparison that I'm not going to be good at this. It's like, no, 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 stuff it. You are going to be good at this. You can do it. Your content is okay. It doesn't need to be amazing. Do it for yourself and see what ha- comes of it. Again, probably no one really watched it either because it was friggin' long, but whatever. Um, I, I, I'm so happy that I did that. I love that. I love those self-challenge things. And it's something that I do a lot of is setting challenges for myself. doesn't have yeah. to be shared anywhere. It doesn't have to be posted anywhere. But doing something that you know scares the absolute shit out of you it's so rewarding after and it also makes it a little less like I even do this with my posts I share on socials like a lot of the time I am closing my eyes and pressing post even though it may not seem like that to other people and I can come across confident and all that stuff but half the things I post I'm like fuck did I really just 
share that and it's not the stupid things I post like I get embarrassed by dumb things it's not like me bloody dancing in the middle of the street I couldn't give two shits it's when I have to talk about something serious is when yeah. I want to crawl up in a ball and die because I'm like who the fuck am I to say this you oh, know? Yeah, and yeah. that's yeah. imposter syndrome stuff comes in as well but I love oh, yeah. the the little the, the challenge stuff and I encourage people to set themselves challenges and do that stuff because things become less scary and if you can eliminate fear in the smallest ways your life is going to become so much better yeah uh, my thing is fear can go fuck itself I've said that in a piece of content blatantly fear can go fuck itself honestly because you know you can worry all you want but you know once you bite the bullet you'll find that it was the most insignificant thing in your life you know, when you go through some real bloody hard challenges, then you'll look back and go, oh, mate, you were absolute, you're an absolute whinger back then. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the thing that with a challenge for yourself is, and this is, I don't want to keep banging on about content, but to put something out there that you feel nervous about or unconfident about is probably something that is that means something to you as well. Um, that is going to connect with somebody and maybe help someone. I, I look back to a, a post that I put up, I archived it after, but it was to call out men, similar age as a designer, that are harassing women on Instagram. And it was like, put your dick away, you know, stop harassing with messages that are false pre under false pretenses of getting someone on a video call to to you know be sleazy or whatever that's not what it, where that's not what a woman is there for it's not what you're there for so why should you subject this person to that and it was a hard-hitting ass post and i was like shaking when i was sending this like I was, to put it up i was like oh my god oh my god am i actually doing this kind of thing but deep down it felt like it needed to be said and no one else was going to say it and i was like bugger it i'm going to be a man here about this not to say that i've not to say that i'm guilty of this but um it was maybe i am guilty i don't know a woman would have to be the judge of that but hopefully my wife would say otherwise uh, is that putting it out there i had messages back from women saying thank you i'm glad someone that wasn't a woman said this um, and i wasn't looking for that validation either it was just like wake the fuck up fellas this isn't acceptable i don't want to be in a community that finds this acceptable and and that that fear that fear not to that extreme but putting something up that you feel a bit unsure about uneasy about or whatever means still that you made it for a purpose and you're just not sure what other someone else is going to think about it to be honest people aren't they're in their own bubble yeah it's, it's usually the content that is the most important right or yeah. in, in some facts and sometimes it doesn't but it's usually the ones that touch base with people in one way whether it's good we'll or well. bad ones that you think will do well probably never do well ones you think will do bad a lot of the time funnily enough they do pretty well yeah and that might be the same thing with a lot of different facets of life um you know jumping into a relationship that you might think is a bit doubtful you're not too sure about and then it ends up being the one for you. Yeah. We bring it back to content a lot of the time, but that's the, that's the world we live in, right? It's like the easiest yeah. thing. And whether you're doing it for your own personal brand or your own personal social media, that we underestimate our voice and we think we need a following to have a voice. 
And that's just mm. not true, right? I, I know yeah. a lot of people who have a few hundred followers and their engagement would be so much better than some of the people with tens or hundreds of thousands of followers because people gotcha. trust what they say and they, and they're putting themselves out there. And so what I would say to anyone listening again is, is you have a voice and it's so important to use, whether it's in the workplace or, um, you know, outside of that, it, it's so great to have that confidence in yourself and to challenge and push yourself in those ways. Getting towards the end of, of the podcast now, and I have three questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one that I have for you is, what was the first small step you took to get to where you are right now? Have the balls to walk into my boss's office and say, I quit. That was hard. Not as hard as I thought it would be, but it was hard. And probably because my boss took the words out of my mouth saying, she's like, oh, you don't, you're not quitting on me, are you? And I was like, yeah. And and she was fantastic. It was nothing, there's no reflection on her either, but that it was, it felt like such a ballsy step. And my wife worked at the same business as well. And so she texts me like right after and she's like, how'd that go? And I said, I'm quitting. She was fine with it. I mean, she was she was not so happy that I was, but it did it. And that was that first step that made this feel like something I just couldn't really back out of. I mean, I probably could have, but it was that, it was that real leap that made it feel, you know, like this had to happen now. It's interesting about the quitting part, isn't it? Because I think we... We see quitting a lot when it's on movies or in content or whatever, that it's this like grand thing. It's a big like kind of fuck you. But re in reality, yeah. the majority of us are so scared to quit. That was my biggest fear for so long to quit and leave somewhere. Not because I was out on my own, but I felt like I owed the place something or I felt like I was oh, yeah. letting someone down I, and all of those things. Yeah, yeah. I, I owed a, a huge amount to that company, but I think equally I gave a hell of a lot back, more than what I was employed to do. They effectively gave me a lot of different experiences in life. They gave me a family because I met my wife there. We had a child and they supported us very, very well throughout that process. Um, you know, they gave us, you know, a beautiful like wedding gift and, and bottle of bubbles and all this kind of stuff at both occasions. Um, of, of being married and, and having a child. So th there was a hell of a lot of sentimental value in leaving that company. Um, it was just a shame that it, it had to kind of end in a way that was starting even to feel stagnant for me. Um, it wasn't really going anywhere. And it since has gone a little bit pear-shaped since we both left the company, which is unfortunate to hear. But yeah, it, uh, it's not fun. It, but I'd never quit before. This is the thing. I'd never actually quit a business. I was either kind of amicably made to leave from a job that just wasn't the right fit with that employer or the company went bust. <laughs> and I was like, well, I've got no choice here. I just have to kind of go now. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it. Yeah, but it is. It's a hard thing to do. And I think um, everyone thinks that they're the only ones that find it hard. But yeah, it's, it's oh, yeah. such a hard yeah, no. thing to do for sure. Yeah. The next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? 
And I define a millennial crisis as a privileged problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health or well-being. I mean, I'm probably in a bit of a different situation to many younger people that might not have a family, but family is like to, to, to be confident in your own skin of who you are, I think is the biggest challenge as any person would find any stage of their life. But to then also grow into your shoes of being someone that has someone that is depending on them to be their father, their mother, their spouse, whatever it is. Having a, a child it adds such a complex element to what it is that you are trying to do. Like if I didn't have children, I didn't have a wife, I would be so easy breezy free. I'd just be doing whatever it is I wanted to do, whatever. But there is expectations of you to give and provide and do all these things. Um and the mindset, I think, where I'm going to with this, and this could apply to a lot of different facets of life, not just in family life, is that a lot of the time we figure that we have to do this stuff. You know, we have to go do the grocery shopping. I have to change my son's diaper. I have to cook dinner. I have to run this business. I have to create content. It's like, no, 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 you get to. You are so privileged that you just don't know it, that you take it for granted and you know privilege is a big topic at the moment in 2020 especially in america for obvious reasons but it is something that as a man that is loved that is cared for by those around him not just my family but friends and for those even those people i meet online and have a community with there is a level of care there for somebody that i i get to interact with these people i get to to have the opportunity to do what it is I love without having to feel like I'm just lost in life. All these things that if you shift that mindset from have to to get to, it's not going to be every day, I've got to tell you that, but if you can try and lead a life like that, I think you'll find it much more pleasant to live. I love that. That's awesome. The the final question I have here for you is what is one thing you still want to explore or are curious about? Uh, I want to write a book <laughs> that is the book that I wish I had when I finished university. The one that would have, was like the extra semester that I didn't have, which was like, you can do something other than go get a job. You can make a job for yourself. Um, and how I go about doing that, I'm not 100% certain on it yet, how I'll write it, but it will be something for my own fulfillment, not to be a best-selling author, that's for sure. Because um, as, as I said at the start of this, I was terrible at English at school. I don't mind writing, but I'm definitely not the best writer out there. But that's a goal. I love that. That's awesome. And what an, what an awesome goal and curiosity to have. And I can't wait for when that comes out to, to read it. Mm. I should also say quickly as well that goal-wise, that's like a professional kind of goal. The other goal is to be a good husband, to be a good father. I, I got to say that as well. Without, if my wife ends up hearing this, she'll be like, "What the hell?" No, no, no. These are just like the a, yeah. self-fulfilling curiosities and things you want <laughs> yeah, to explore. Yeah, yeah. Those things are a given. Yeah. You know, we know yeah. those well, things. Are a given. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. What is your perspective on community? Because when when I was freelancing in in my uni days, I, I was doing my own thing in digital marketing because I hated uni. And although my freelancing business was going really well at the time and, and I had, um, you know, lots of clients, everything seemed to be going great. I was fucking miserable 
because yeah. I was, it's so isolating. And it's one of the things that we don't talk about or we don't hear about. And I know you, you have your wife um, in, in partnership with, with your business and those things. But in yeah. saying that, do you still find and did you experience that kind of isolation or that tunnel vision when it came to that? And then how did that shift your perspective on community? Starting out with the business, like going from a workplace of hundreds of people in this office down to numero uno, my wife was still working at the time. So it was just me at home by myself. I think I was probably so engrossed in what I I was doing at the time because it was also new and I had to kind of, you know, fumble my way through it that I probably didn't really worry about the isolation factor. It wasn't until I guess I probably realized that if there were, I was part of like Facebook design groups where, was, where I kind of learned some things from and was getting a bit of perspective from those like me. But I kind of then realized that, okay, that's a community. Like you're engaging with the same kind of people over and over because they're enthused about what it is they do. And I was finding the same enthusiasm out of it. Um, community though kind of burned a bit of a bridge with me in that I got kicked out of a community group on Facebook um, because they didn't appreciate me rattling off some stuff about business in terms of contracts and um, insurance or something like that. It was like a business prerequisite in what I do. And I was learning about all this stuff at the time. They're like, you're not a lawyer. No, 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 we don't appreciate you adding this to the conversation, blah, 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 just stay in your lane kind of thing. And I was like, really? That's, that's your, that's your imagination of what a community is. That's wow. pathetic. And they, I think that put a rid of a red flag on me and decided they didn't want to engage with me anymore and kick me out. And I was like, okay, well, sure. So community for me was, it burned a big bridge there for a while there. And it probably wasn't until I started realizing there was a community of designers like me putting out content and stuff on Instagram and they're all following each other. And I was like, okay, I want to get in on this kind of thing. Um, Cause they started following me here and there and, and then it kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. And like I've seen online communities of other designers, like private communities you had to pay for and they're quite expensive. I was like, I don't know if I need that level of interaction um, at the moment. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, I've started this G'day Design Life thing and this was in October last year. Um, let's try and make this not about me. Let's make this about everybody here. I don't want to say that I'm some figure that knows it all because I've only been in business for a year and a half at that stage. I don't know all the answers here. Like how the hell am I going to position myself as some thought leader? Why not just be a thought contributor instead and share what it is I know and go from there. And part of that was to to be able to share knowledge with each other and not just be my voice. And how can we do that and foster that conversation and create like a community that we can do these calls each week or something like that and not be expensive or anything like that. That community is, you pay less than you pay more for a carton of beer than where it is for my community for a year. And it's just to cover the cost of the platform that it's on, which is not on a Facebook group or, or Slack or whatever. Um, it'll, allows you to post a heap of content and stuff as well to share with each other and also private message and all the rest of it. Anyway, long story long, that amount of community there for me, which is only a small, it's like 20 of us. We get together each week. Not everyone does. Everyone's doing their own thing. So, you know, it might be only six or seven of us and we just have a chat about something that's going on in our, you know, design life. 
that business or clients or designers, uh, design work we're doing, how to position ourselves better, how to contracts or insurance or some of the boring stuff, but um, to share that. And as a result, designers in that community have engaged with each other to do work together. Sweet. Okay. One stage I'm hoping that someone will get married out of this. Like that would be <laughs> amazing. Like, like who knows, but it's, it's not a, it's not a goal to make money out of these guys at all. Like my intentions with that community is that if there's more and more members that keep coming, 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 I put that money in back into like an event and we all catch up over a few you know, beers or something like that and meet up in a pub in whichever state or, or um, city we're in. And I make an effort once all this travel bans stop to go to, you know, Brisbane or Melbourne or, or whatever and meet up with these guys and put that money towards that gathering and make that an even more tangible element of community. Um, so I find it quite rewarding. I don't think everyone needs it necessarily, but it sure as shit helps um, in, in your mindset to know that you're not the only one. If you're sharing with like-minded individuals, they don't need to be doing what it is that you do. Case in point, the chat that we had with your community, Demi, is um, I found that amazingly interesting to meet other people that just I wouldn't meet typically and, and to be that connector for my own community feels uh, brilliant. It feels re- rewarding as hell to know that people are getting something out of it. And they tell me, you know, charge more, charge more. I'm like, that's not the purpose of this. Mm-hmm. Like don't pressure me into doing something like that. But having having a connection with somebody it might not be in a community setting it might just be direct messages with people Mm. that i think is enough to facilitate that human urge to be connected with each other that's what you know that's what we are as humans we need to feel that connection unless you don't find anything interesting out of it that's fine but Mm -hmm. most of us i think we feel like we want to be heard we want to be engaged with and have someone interested in what it is we're saying and if you can reciprocate that creates a great relationship professionally or just as friends or whatever it is. It, I personally, I find it rewarding. It's interesting that you, you created or you, you sought it after. I, I think it, in an interview that I did earlier as well, um, we spoke about um, how the, the guy that I interviewed was in banking and networking and your community was so important. And he's like, yeah. I thought I hated networking. I thought I hated people because I was constantly around the wrong people to the point that his hobbies were also like cycling and stuff like that. And he's like, I fucking hated it, but I felt I needed to do it because everyone else in my stuff was doing. Yeah. And then when he switched, he's like, I realized how important community is and networking is and all of those things because I found my people. So who like for for, for people who are listening or feel as though they they don't like it and those stuff, you're probably knocking on the wrong doors or, or connecting with the, with the wrong, with the wrong people in that sense. Like in the beginning, you being in a certain community group, although it may have had, um, nuggets of value in certain areas your people were were somewhere else and and now that you can create that for those who are in a similar position for you i think as you were is is really awesome yeah you 
tend to thrive. I think in when you find your people, you, you thrive a lot more, you become, you, your, your proper personality that's in there deep down comes out. And that's why you see, you know, me being as, I guess, outwardly confident in my content to share who it is I am because I've found the place that I feel confident and comfortable in. Yeah. And that's the same with this community that I, I am totally comfortable in my own shoes talking to these guys when they're relying on me to speak that, you know, I have something to say mm-hmm. and not just sit there and go, um, yeah. And well, you know, um, and that's, you know, that takes time to kind of build a bit of confidence there. But when you find that person that you're com- comfortable with and you think about your friends, my friend circles, it's exactly the same. Mm. I'm different between different sets of people in my life. With my family, I'm quite reserved and fairly quiet. With my best mates, I am the obnoxious one. <laughs> um, it's chalk and cheese. And it's the same thing on, on Instagram. I'm a very uh, boisterous, I don't know if that's the right word, just out there kind of person that it's like they get a kick out of it. And I do. That's why I have a totally different personality to the point where my friends or my wife's friends say to me, you know, you don't sound like this, like normally I'm like, yeah, cause I'm in my world. I'm in my jet. Like this is my jam kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, this is where I come to perform. It's like a basketball getting out on court. Like that's where they feel most confident. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's awesome. And, and, and you're, you're so right in that, that, in di- it's okay for us to show different parts of our personalities in, in different areas and for those to come yeah. out in different ways. And it's also okay to have different circles for different purposes too. And if, and having that community does help build that confidence. So um, I do encourage people to find their people to go out and seek it and not be embarrassed to do it either. I think sometimes we feel we need to do things alone to prove something, you know, at least I did for a lot of the time. Sure. I was like, Oh, ask for help or get yeah. support or have other things, you know, um, but it, it, it's great. And it can, and can have such a benefit as well. So um, that's awesome. Now you do have a challenge for everyone listening, don't you? Yes. So my challenge to you guys and girls that are listening is to, and I found I've, I've done this recently and I was prompted to do this from a fellow creative. Um, so I'm piggybacking off their challenge, which was to message a fellow person in your life. It could be someone that you connect with in your community um, on social media. It could be even be a family member, a friend, a colleague, or whatever that you appreciate what they give to you in your life. So it could be that you just appreciate the work that they do. It could be you appreciate their friendship and and um, care for you in your life. Um, someone that's gone above and beyond for you, has done something for you, whatever it is that they may not, ex- well, they probably won't expect you to send them a message, but say how grateful you are for them to be in your life. Um, to say that you are, to say that you appreciate them and that they are appreciated in what it is they do. You will be amazed at the responses you will get back. I it, love it that. It could change someone's life. Put it that way. I love that. That's awesome. And, and I think it is, it, it's such an important thing for us to do. And I'm excited to, to be able to do that when um, this episode comes out as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for coming on the podcast it it was awesome for you to share 
your story and, and all of the knowledge that you have. I always find these like a cathartic kind of experience, especially at the start there, it was very cathartic and actually realizing what it is my journey was. So and thank you for letting me uncover that <laughs> and sharing. Um, and I hope you guys got something out of this that are listening. Awesome. Thank you. Bye.